even as a church, to kind of be selfish, right? Uh, you know, I need my healing now. I, I, I need my blessing now. You know, the prosperity movement. All these things have kind of led us away from growing close to the Lord. And, and because we hear scripture behind it, we think we're growing, growing close to the Lord, but we're really growing further away from the Lord. Because without love and compassion, we're nothing, right? So we can't have compassion without love. Right, so and, and and that's what's missing from the church today, and, and, and part of it is, if my daughter Victoria was here today, because I made her listen to a song this week, uh, and, and we're just cringing at her, it's like, please, Dad, let me go. Why you have? Because it's a commercial. I can't think of the commercial, but y'all probably seen it. But uh, the theme song in the commercial, "Walking Mile in My Shoes," you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I reflected on that when I heard it. I was like, you know what? Sometimes we tend to, and not purposely, we tend to expect people to be where we're at sometimes, you know, and, and we, we uh, what's the word? We, we tend to, we tend to basically make people superhumans and, and not be compassionate towards them. So what, what do I mean by that, right? So I had a friend. Well, I still have a friend. He's still my friend. But he played professional baseball. And we used to coach baseball together. And he would say, you know, Rasan, some of these coaches, I just hear them talking to these kids. And I just don't understand it. You know, and, and what he was saying was this. He was saying, that, you know, because you got different pitches a pitcher would throw, right? You got fastball, curveball. And he was saying that the dads or the coaches would get on these kids when the pitcher throws a curveball. Stay in there. Stay in there. Well, that's easy for you to say when you've never been behind the plate when somebody's throwing a curveball at you, right? And I coached baseball for a long time, and I've seen little Johnnies out there getting abused by their, their parents, and their parents have never played a sport in their life. And then they want their little Johnny or little Jane that, to be a superstar, and they're not getting little Johnny and little Jane help, right? But they tell them, just, just do this. Play, play like this one. Play like this one. Well, that, that one there, their parents are probably getting them help, getting them work, right? And that's what they don't see. And, and, but that's how we can be sometimes because we, we look at other Christians and we're like, man, why can't you just live right? Why can't you just do this? Why can't you do this? You know what? We were all weak at one time, right? We were, so even, and I've been guilty, and I've said it in the past, and we, we probably all have said this. Can't they receive Christ? What, 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 you know, because once we once we get the revelation, we're like, man, why did I miss it? What is the matter with y'all? Why are y'all missing it? Right? But we all missed it that one time, right? We all we all rejected the gospel at one time, and we forget that. We we forget that. And, and but the Lord wants us to have compassion. That's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus didn't just go around. Yes, he healed, he he taught, but he was basically teaching. The disciples had to learn to walk in compassion. Because they want, they were short with people, right? So even when he fed the, the 5,000, the disciples like, look, send them on their way. <laughs> Jesus like, no, they're not going to make it. Well, we don't have enough food. Look what Jesus made away, right? So we, we have to learn to have compassion. So we, we're going we're gonna to look at something here in the, in the Old Testament, right? Uh, let's turn to Ashley before we get there. Another thing that causes us to kind of be selfish is this. 
this rapture theory, right? It, it just, the, the rapture, because we're we all looking for the Lord, right? We're looking for the Lord to return. Now, how many of us at one point or another said, Lord, please come today? <laughs> and we not said that. I, I, I said it. I said, Lord, please come today. I, I've been so guilty. I've prayed that on a daily basis. Right? I pray that on the and on the surface that doesn't appear to be wrong, right? Because he is coming. He is coming one day, right? I read this to this day. Let, let, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I've never seen it like this before. We're gonna come back to the Old Testament. Seriously, I will pray that, and I'm like, Lord, I need you to come today. Whatever you have to do, whoever needs to get saved right now, let, let's go. <laughs> you know, there's been some rough days. <laughs> Amen. So, Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and, say, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world was then that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire, until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, I've had people say that to me over the years. Oh, well, you're quoting the Bible, and then supposedly the Lord is coming. Where is he coming? We've been here all these years. I, I, I yeah. see saying it's not right. Right? Right? So, let's keep going. And then sometimes when I hear that, I'm like, Lord, come now and show. <laughs> I thought that. Right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, where, where did I leave it? Eight. 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 Uh, did I read it? No. no. Okay, thank you. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So, really, what they what Peter's describing here is really the unsaved. Right? They, because they don't know. Right? But we know. One, we, we've all heard this before, that one day with the Lord is, is like a thousand years to us. Right? All right verse 9. The Lord, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this is why his delay is there. So the times that I was praying for him to come, I was wrong. I should have been long-suffering. What I should have been praying is, Lord, help me to be long-suffering. Help me to endure during this time and this season. Amen. Because that is a sign of compassion. Amen. That is a sign of love. Amen. Right? But now, because we've been taught to expect the rapture, we, we, we want that quick exit escape because, really, we don't want to suffer. Right? We, we don't want to face the persecution. So our flesh, we don't. 
Right? So we have to be careful of that. Alright? So, uh, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. So, it's nothing wrong with us looking for that day. Right? It's nothing wrong with that. But, we have to understand, when that day comes, when he's talking about here, the day of the Lord, there'll be no return for those that are left. So, yeah, we're going to be gone. We'll be with the Lord, but we're going to have family members. We're going to have co-workers, friends, neighbors. There's going to be no redemption for them at that time. Right, so we have to be careful of those things when we when we pray and we ask for those things because when the day of the Lord comes, like I said, there's going to be no second chance for these people. Amen. All right, I'll read Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved. Looking forward for, to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So, start right there. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He, he's, he's delaying his coming in hopes that people get saved. Oh, thank you. He's delaying his coming that we would get saved. Amen. Thank you. Right? That's a good thing, right? But we don't always see it that way because we look at things from our mindset, our eyeset, and we're like, forget about them, right? But, and, and I've said this before, even back when we were in the house, that you got a whole set of Christians that are, are wishing bad on leaders of this country, right? You got a whole set of Christians that want Biden to die. Right? So even when he got the vaccine, they wanted him to die. Where's the love in that? Where's the compassion in that? Right? So how can you call yourself a Christian? That's right. Right? Or whether it's Pelosi. Or flip it on the other side. Trump. Right? Regardless of what they say, I mean, you, 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 you support one, and it, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's like, where's the love at? Where's the compassion? These, these are all people the Lord is long-suffering to. Right? So these are the people we have to be long-suffering to as well. Right? Regardless of what they do. Alright. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking about Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of Scripture. So let's stop right there. Sometimes we read the letters and we're like, I don't understand. But he's saying Paul's writings are hard to understand. Right? This is why we have teachers. This is why we have pastors. So we don't twist the word. Amen. Right? So we don't twist the word to say, hey, let Biden take the vaccine and let him die because he's the Antichrist. That's twisting the word. But you've got people preaching that in the pulpit. It's true. And then you got supposed saints 
I say suppose it because they can't be reading the same Bible I'm reading. That's right. Saying amen. That's not God. That's not God. If, 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 what was it? Isaiah something and that if he can change, what makes us think that anybody today can't change? Manassas didn't have the ability to have the Holy Spirit living in him. Every man, woman, child has that ability today. So what makes us think we can't change? Right? It's not. And because what happens is, the real reason is, we all have different, different things that we want. Things that, whether it's rich people, middle class, poor, upper class, lower class, it doesn't matter. We have things that might be better with a certain political party that may be in office. That's what we'd be striving for, right? That's not a God. No. We, we're not putting our trust in God in that. So that causes us to be selfish and lose compassion. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from, from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. There's so many Christians being led away. They were once steadfast, but now they listen to certain evangelicals tell them something, and they're being led away. It's right here in the scriptures. Amen. It's all playing today. Right? My wife said today, uh, not today, excuse me, this week, she said, if we don't understand, if we forget our history, we're going to repeat it. That's right. Alright, we're going to repeat it. And we're going to go to a book here in the Old Testament. We probably won't finish it. But we're going to go to a book in the Old Testament where it really describes what's going on today. It describes the Christian heart today. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. So we have to be careful not to just always view things from what benefits us. That's, right. Amen. That's not like passion. That's not love. Right? So we, we got we have to be careful of those things. And, and regardless of I don't care, minister so and so, whoever, those are things that are contradict the word of God. And we gotta be careful. So now, let's go to a book that I'm sure we all read, we're familiar with. Jonah. Alright, let's go to Jonah. Y'all weren't expecting me to go there. <laughs> We done watch cartoons. We done. <laughs> Alright, if you got any, any, any child right, that you try to instill Christian principles, you, you, you done put the Jonah cartoon in front of them. You know, you, you done you read Jonah yourself. And really, it's four chapters. And a total of all four chapters, a total of 47. I done read this book about five, six times this week. Yeah, five, six times this week. And, <laughs> But first, let, 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 let's, let me give you a little bit of background here. Alright, so we know we know that, we, we know the main theory of Jonah, right? That God sent him to uh, Nineveh, which was a city for Assyria. And Assyria, they, they were the enemies of Jesus. But during this period of time, Assyria wasn't as strong as they were going to become, right? Now, what happened is this. Israel was in a time of peace and prosperity during this time. Right? And they were doing good, going about their merry way, living their lives and everything. However, they were spiritually poor, morally poor, ethically poor, and things like that. Why? Because they weren't they weren't being persecuted. They they, they didn't they weren't facing 
they, they were living a good time. Right? And I, I thought about this as I studied this out. That is really how the church in America is. We're, we're not being persecuted. Right? I, I, I hear pastors sometimes um, talk about, well, this is happening. This. You know, don't get me wrong. There are some demonic things that are happening. But overall, for the most part, we're not being persecuted like other churches in other countries are. Amen. Right? We're, we're, we're just not, because truth be told, if we wanted to have an outdoor revival, we're going to have an outdoor revival. The government is not going to stop us from having an outdoor revival. Right? If we want to go in the grocery store shop, Jesus is Lord, we can do that. Without being shot, without being arrested, we have those freedoms and liberties here. Right? So, but I thought about it, just like Israel, the church today is spiritually poor. It, 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 it truly is. Because we, we, we take things for granted and we just, what we have today in America is we have religion. We, we have religion. We're, we'll go to church on certain days, we do certain things, but we're not praying like we should. Right? And, and we didn't talk about this, but my wife sent me an email today. <laughs> email about the council thing. Oh, I don't know. The life coach. Christian oh, thing. yeah, yeah. She yeah, sent me a thing with laugh out loud, right? Yeah. I, said, I said, what is this she sent to me? <laughs> right? But I, I knew it. So I started looking at it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to regret this, but I'm just curious to see how much this will cost. Right? Because they're having a conference, right? I think I took a picture of it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I was reading it, I was like, I was like preaching a whole different message. But I was like, all right. So let's see. All right, so I don't even know where, where, where this is going to be at. All right, and, and I'm not blaming the speakers. Some of them are, are good, but this tells me that this is just a basic money grab. It, it, so attendance option, because immediately the email says early sign up. $80 off or something uh -huh. like that. I said, $80 off? Well, dang, how much is this going to be? <laughs> so, <laughs> so an in-person member is $229. A non-member is $299. So a student will be $99. So virtual is $129, right? So these are the things. So it says, why attend this conference? With all the challenges of the past few years, you undoubtedly know and can appreciate the importance of meeting together with other believers to be encouraged and equipped for ministry. Okay, so why do I have to go to a conference to obtain that? Okay? Alright. This conference is a great opportunity for you to get together with like-minded ministry leaders and life coaches to network and receive critical training from sought-after experts in the field of Christian life coaching. Oh, that's good right there. <laughs> Here's a few reasons why you should attend this conference. And tell others about it. Yeah, I bet. Right, so I'll, I'll tell you all about it, not to go. All right, so you got to network with leaders. Uh, there's a benefit. Personal growth, right? Greater impact. Customize your time. Hear from the best. Uh, let's see. Condentials. Insert. And get this. You get a year's worth of training in three days. Now, Joan, you've been in college. Is that possible? No. Thank you. Thank you. No. <laughs> Thank you. So... I'll stop right there. But I said that to say, so they want you to come to this conference and think you're going to get all this. Whatever happened to just good old-fashioned theology, get before the Lord and the Holy Spirit? Right? Why? 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 That's why I say these, these And don't, don't get, even during COVID, there were a lot of Christian conferences going on and people flocking to them. 
right? And a lot of them were led by a lot of these false prophets that were saying that Trump was going to win and all these other stuff. But, you know, this is the nonsense we're getting in the church. I don't even know why I started going there. <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Church is spiritually poor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it. That, but that's why the church is spiritually poor, right? We're, we're getting this stuff. I mean, again, why do we have to go to a conference to fellowship, to get together, when we all have local churches, right? So you want people to spend their money to spend their whole time. And I guarantee you it's going to be packed with thousands of people. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember who it was because I meant to get the name. I wasn't going to get the name of the conference. <laughs> but it, 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 this is the type of stuff that goes on. And you have Christian conferences all the time. And this, and all it is is secular stuff. right? It, it, it's all psychology. And, and it's designed to put money in their pockets. And it's not going to help. You may come back for two days and be spiritually high. And then you be like, well, how am I going to use this stuff? Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, what, what, what good is all that? that? That's what we need. That's what we need to get with. Yeah. right? But, but that's why the, the church today in America is spiritually poor. Because we don't want to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Why? This is another reason why I want to say it, talk about that. Because it's hard work on our flesh. Yeah. That's easy. That's easy. To go to a conference and get something and come back with a certificate and look, say, look what I did. Look what I got. And they may not be doing that for that, but. Have your feelings pampered. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, no. That's not what God wants. He would rather us come together in the house of fellowship. And I guarantee you, if you had someone that wanted to have a conference and says, look, all we're going to do is pray, we're not even going to have musicians. We're going to just sing worship songs from my mouth. It's going to be free. I guarantee you, you probably won't even have 100 people show up in a packed arena. You wouldn't have it. But if you give something like that, what I just read, you're going to have thousands of people show up today. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. All right, so going back to uh, Nineveh. So Nineveh, again, was the capital of the Syria. And, it, and they were known for their cruelty and just how they did that. And I, and I talked about Nineveh before, I think, when I uh, talked about uh, Nahum, because Nineveh, the Syrian, they used to fillet. They used to fillet the skin of people, right? Of their enemies. And they would behead them, and they would stick their heads out so people know not to mess with them. They, they, the Syrians were just, out of all the enemies that Israel ever had, the Syrians were the worst. They were the worst, and they were the most brutal. Okay? So, Jonah was, here, here, here's the thing. Jonah was really being sent to Nineveh to really put Israel to shame. Because here Nineveh was going to receive from a stranger telling them to, that God was going to destroy them, bring judgment. And as we know, Nineveh heard. And Nineveh repented in that. right. But what God was trying to show them was this. Israel, all these years, was getting the prophets sent to them. And they kept ignoring them. Kept persecuting them. And, 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 and talking about them. Putting people like Jeremiah in a dungeon. And things like that. And they wouldn't hear them. Now, what do we know about Jonah? Jonah is one of the four prophets that, 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 that was a written book that Jesus talked about. Right? Along with Daniel, Isaiah, 
and uh, Zechariah. Right? And we know that when the um, religious leaders were coming to Jesus and said, show us a sign. Right? He said, oh, faithless generation. Right? So whenever we have people that seek after signs, that's really showing a weakness in our faith. Because that's what Jesus was trying to show them back then. But he said, look, no sign will be given except for the Son of Man. Being three days, just like Jonah, three days and three nights. Right? So, it's what I said before that the religious leaders knew Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. But they purposely rejected him because they were jealous of him. Right? So, what else? So, when the, God, when the call of God came to him, Let's read, uh, let's start reading first, sorry. Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. So now we, we've heard this where, and we, we've heard it spoken, and it's all true, where, you know, people correlate this with somebody running away from their calling and things like that, right? But what this is, this is actually showing Jonah's selfishness, really. Jonah, Jonah, because Jonah, deep down, he knew that Nineveh was going to repent. He knew God was extending mercy. God was actually extending compassion to him. Right? His love, his compassion. He was basically warning them. He was warning them before his destruction. And that's what he does. He's going to warn people. He's going to warn nations before he destroys them. Mm. Right? But it's up to us to heed that warning. But yet, you had Israel, who were the children of God, a holy nation, peculiar people, that rejected God. Right? They rejected God, but then here you had a pagan nation that accepted him. Alright, so verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. So they cried out to their God, so we know that they're not the follower of the Lord Jehovah. Right? But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So, they're all in uproar, Jonah's asleep. Now, remember, in the New Testament, the, the wind was blowing the ship, and Jesus was sound asleep. Right? See, the parallel right there. Right? Why? Because Jonah is aware why the storm is being caused. He knows he's the problem. Okay? Verse 6. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? <laughs> Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So even before they cast lots, John, Jonah knew it was him. But he still let them go ahead and cast lots. All right? Verse 8. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. 
Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Excuse me. Verse 12. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. So, let's think about this for a moment. We know, they know Jonah's the problem. Jonah said, look, just pick me up, throw me overboard, and everything will be good, right? <laughs> a lot of people are going to go for that, right? Really, if Jonah was a captain of the ship, and it was somebody from Nineveh, Jonah would be like, throw him overboard, yep. right? But what did they say? Oh, no, verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. So let's stop right there. So we know that the Lord is causing this. The men are trying to help him. Yeah. The men are not even serving the God that Jonah served, but yet they're showing compassion towards him. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's good. Yeah. They're showing compassion towards him. Now, you heard me comment a couple weeks ago that there's some people in the church that I expected to be there to, to pray for me, but didn't return calls, didn't return messages to me. And I said this to my wife, and you know who's showing compassion to me quite a bit? The unsaved. The unsaved. That's, they're checking on me every day, right? To the point where it's annoying, right? But they're, they're checking on me. Call, I got one caller, he's calling me every day, right? Checking on me. He's not saved. He doesn't know the Lord. And these are Christians that I reached out to, and I've gotten no response from them. But yet, I guarantee you, if I turn on their church today, they're going to talk about how much they love people. They're liars. They're liars. Because Jesus said, was it Jesus or John? Help me out, Phil. I think they both said, that if you don't love your brother, <laughs> how can you love God? Yes. Whom you have not seen. But you don't love your brother. Who you yes. see. Yes. But yet, these are the same people that will say these things. Before people, oh, I love this person, I love that person. Right? And if I showed up in that congregation, oh, they would show me love. Right? No. No. You know what Jesus called them? Hypocrites. Actors, pretenders. Same thing as the religious Pharisees. Show you love, you put the hand on your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, verse 14. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Now, this is a God they didn't know. Who they now praying to and communicating with. <laughs> so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. So the God that they didn't know, they're offering a sacrifice. Why? Because they actually care about you, don't they? Even though they didn't know him, even though they know he's responsible, they, they still cared about him, right? Yeah. That's called having a heart, mm -hmm. right? Unlike the lady at the hospital, right, who didn't have a heart. Truth be told, she didn't have a heart. These men have a heart. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we're all familiar with that, right? So we know that Jonah, in chapter 2, Jonah comes, and Jonah's uh, 
communicating with the Lord, and he realizes, and I think it's chapter 2, verse 9, he says, Lord, you are merciful. Basically telling him, Lord, I know you're merciful to everybody. But see, Jonah knew that ahead of time. But see, here's the thing. Like I said, God shows compassion towards Nineveh. These men are showing compassion towards Jonah. But the one who should have been showing compassion all along, not showing compassion towards anybody. That's the church today. That's the church today. Right? We, 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 we point fingers and we don't put ourselves in other people's shoes. And, and we're like, man, what are they going through? Right? And, and it's like, well, why don't you just stand in faith? Well, you know, it's the same thing how, you know, whether it be somebody overseas, you know, same thing with Pedro and them, and, you know, people can't understand why they would come back here. It's like, well, you're not walking in their shoes. Amen. Right? When you're five minutes from the police station, somebody's shooting up your help, and police purposely don't come because the gang people pay them off. Mm. Right? When we over here, we can, I'm pretty confident we all live in neighborhoods, we call the police, they're going to show up. Right? We call the ambulance, they're going to show up. Now, I grew up in a neighborhood, it's going to take the police a long time to show up. It's going to take a... We knew if something happened, we'd be better off and get to the hospital a lot quicker by taking them. Um, because of the neighborhood that I grew up in. They, the police just didn't show up there. They just took their time. Right? And, and that's just the way it was. But we pretty much can say, and I, and I live in the neighborhood now, that's not, that's not going to happen. For the most part, that's not going to happen. They're going to come license arms pretty much now because of the neighborhood I live in. Right? But the neighborhood I grew up in, it wasn't going to be like that. They were going to take their time. See? But... It's easy sometimes when you don't live in that, you don't come from that environment to look at it. Because, yes, there are some areas, some inner cities, police are going to take their time. The ambulance show up. They know they got to go somewhere, but they're going to wait until the police make sure it's safe for them. Right? Now, that person is in there suffering from something, but they're going to wait. I'm confident in our neighborhoods. I haven't been to everybody's houses. The ambulance is just going to come right in to our neighborhoods, to our houses, and see about us, and carry us off, right? We don't have to worry about that, right? But, again, we, we, we got to take into consideration and look at what other people have, right? Or, or not what they have, but where they come from, right? We, these are things that we can easily take for granted because we're not walking in their shoes. Same thing as commercial said, right? We're not seeing these things. All right, so let's, oh, gosh, time. Uh, let's go to chapter 3. Alright, so, Jonah finally has a revelation, says, I'm going to decide to be obedient, even though I'm going to agree with it. <laughs> Alright, so now, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it, that I, that, preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. So, it was going to take Jonah three days to go through this city, letting them know that God's about to destroy it in 40 days. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then, then word came to, to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth 
and cried mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So we're seeing, he's saying turn from the violence that's in your hands. They're, they are wicked people, right? But they're, they're freely repenting, right? Verse 9, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God did what? He relented from the disaster that he had said he will bring upon them and he did not do it. You know, I, I've seen the cartoons, right? I've seen the cartoons, and it, this is why I had to read it so much, because I've seen the cartoons where Jonah's going through saying, repent, repent, repent. I've seen people in real life go out to uh, crime-infested areas and saying, repent, repent, repent. How would the unsaved know to repent when they don't even know what repentance is? You know what I noticed in Jonah? I read all four chapters, and I want y'all to read it too. And we're going to probably come back to it next week. Not one time did Jonah tell them to repent. Not one time did Jonah tell them to repent. What he told them was what was going to happen. That was God's message. He never told them to repent. Why? They don't know what repentance is. Israel did. God's people did. So, flip it to today. We, the church, we're telling the world, the lost, to repent. They don't know what repentance is. Amen. They, they, they don't know what that is. Now in the church, we do. So when I say repent before the congregation, yes, we're going to know what that is. But the lost, they're not going to know. Why? Because they don't know that they're sinners. Just like I didn't know I was a sinner when people were coming to me. That's right. I did not know. So when somebody said, Son, when are you going to give your life to the Lord? That had no meaning to me. Because it wasn't until the Holy Spirit moved upon me. Right? That's when the revelation came. Right? But, seriously, it, it, four chapters, total of 47 verses, I believe my math is correct, 47 verses. It's not a lot of reading. But not one time did Jonah ever tell them to repent. But we see it on the cartoons. Jonah walking around, repent, repent, repent. We see people trying to imitate Jonah, repent, repent. That's not in the scriptures. <laughs> Why are we going around telling the lost to repent instead of just sharing the love of Christ and showing them love and compassion? That's all we need to do. But we're telling them to repent. Right? And then we see certain ministers on TV, they're criticizing our leaders and things like that. And we've probably been guilty of it. I say I've been guilty of it over here. Right? And we're like, no. Now, y'all heard me be hard on pastors and teachers. I'll I 100% back that up. And I'll still do that today. Right? But this is what I told my wife this week is this. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, 2 Peter chapter 3 talked about. When you come, when you have Christians sometimes, they only know what they've been taught. They only know what they've been taught. So they're only going to do what they've been taught. So if it's customary for them to go around to these different conferences, these different prophetic conferences, that's what they're going to believe. So, again, we have to have compassion upon them. Right? They, 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 they're misguided in their theology. They're misguided in some things, but it doesn't mean we just cast them aside. Right? So even with these other churches, right? They're, the congregation, they may, they may be misguided in some things, but we don't cast them aside. We still got to show them love and compassion. We don't get into an argument with them. Right? So if we find ourselves getting into arguments, whether it's well, Christians, 
of the people saying to us, say, there might be something wrong with us. I had a partner, my partner in uh, Connecticut, with the, I was in the police department there. He would say this all the time. He would say, anytime we would go to somebody's house, he would say this. He would say, look, if somebody tell you, one person tell you something, you can ignore it. If a second person tell you something, it's your choice. You can choose to leave it, but your antenna ought to start to go up. If three or four people, five people telling you the same thing, it's time for you to look in the mirror. Right? So if people are coming to us and telling us things and saying things to us, saying, hey, you know, sometimes it may be we might have to look in, in the mirror. Right? Amen. I talk to unsaved people, and I literally disciple and witness to them at work in the office all the time. Not one time have they ever said, well, you're self-righteous. Not one time. And I, and I talk about holiness. 100%. They will back me up. I talk about holiness. I talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And I told you, they want to come in and sing. I said, no. They said, why not? Said, your fruit's not right. And they laugh. They, they, they get on me. And I, I talked about it at church one time. And I went back and I told them I talked about it. I said, I'm not going to hide it. I said, I don't play that. <laughs> I don't care how good you can sing. Now, I don't know if they could sing, <laughs> but it wouldn't matter anyway, you know, but I'm straight to the point, but I do it in love. I do it in love to, to not to offend them, right? We, so these are things we got to be careful of, right? So these are the things now where the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us in those things, right? Because that's how Jesus was. Jesus was compassionate and patient. And we're going to get to some more things where Jesus showed compassion to people where the disciples didn't want to. And what it did was his compassion caused them to exercise their faith. That's why we should be compassionate towards people. Right? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that they'll freeload all the time. They're just looking for handouts and things like that. Them, we got we got we got to put them on. And, and that, that'll tie into the things that we'll see that Jesus did. Right? Because they're not exercising their faith. Same thing we talked about a couple weeks ago about the soul. Right? Th these are things that we, we got to be careful of. Because we don't want to be taken by that. And, and, you know, just because you do outreach, that doesn't mean you're compassionate. That's right. Because what are you doing? Are you going back to that community when there's no outreach going on? They could 100% say, say, say that when I went to Rudd's, I was there when I didn't teach Bible study. If I worked late, I was there watching over their houses. I didn't sit in the office. I went driving around with my flashlight, watching over their houses, get out there, talk to them, even when I didn't give out snack baskets. Same thing with the Latino market. right? They always offer me, hey, brother, come eat, come. No, they can tell you out of all the times, it's probably been about 1% to 2% that I either got a drink or ate there. I just spent time with them, right? It, it wasn't there, I wasn't there for a job. I just spent time, fellowship with them, right? And, and that caused a community to now embrace police officers. At least Latino market. Rose is still Rose. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, let, you know, let's be mindful on how we respond to people, right? We, we have to do it in love. We have to do it in love. We have to do it in compassion. Right? These are things that I'm learning too. My wife will say amen to that. <laughs> these, these, these are things I'm learning. And maybe that's why I'm going through what I'm going through. Now, because it's helping me to have more compassion and see things differently now. Mm -hmm. Right? And like I said, I, 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 I just, I've never seen that 
One with Second Peter, you know, that God is long-suffering, so we should be long-suffering. Right? We, we have to pray for endurance. Amen. Right? And then we also have to pray for endurance for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being physically persecuted. Amen. Right? Because that is hard on them. Right? You have Christian women that are being raped, tortured. Teenagers that are being raped and tortured. For what? Because they're living the life of Christ. We don't have to worry about that here for the most part. Right? Yeah. Amen. 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 So let's bow our heads.